couple weeks, right? Well, we have uh, got a Michigan voter guide um, that, to help you vote. And, uh, you know, a lot of times people are like, you know, Pastor, what do you think? Uh, you know, what is it? You know, what's important to you? And I'll, I'll just say this. What's important to me is when I look at the different candidates, I, I like to vote on values. And, uh, and that's important to me. So you look through. This actually is a great tool to get through and uh, just pray. Ask the Lord to lead you. And we know that Jesus is in control. He's the one that puts people in authority. And uh, no matter what happens uh, in the White House, we know that God is still on the throne. Uh, but we have a part. And we want you to be praying. We want you to vote. And we want you to be informed in that process. And so uh, make sure you take advantage of that. We've got those in the lobby. Amen. Well, this fall, we kind of started the fall looking at this idea that we want to make room for more things in our lives that are important. We started off looking at prayer and saying that is a core value of ours, and we understand that nothing, everyone say nothing, nothing of eternal significance happens without prayer, right? And so we said, boy, we want to be a praying church. And we've been praying on Wednesday nights. In fact, I've been saying that on Wednesdays at 7 o'clock, that is the most important meeting of the week. And I want to encourage each and every one of you to come out, participate with us. Um, someone gave me a, um, a little book on prayer last week. Steve, he comes to second service. And uh, he said, Pastor, read through this. It's a little pamphlet. It was by this guy named Peter Tan. And it says at the very beginning of this book, it says, Every great move of God has been preceded by a great move of prayer. And it's true. You look at revivals, you look at when God has moved the great awakening, people were on their knees, they were praying, asking God to move. And that's what we're doing as a church. We're saying, God, help us, God, move in our hearts and move in this church and move in our community and move across the globe. Amen? And so we said, Lord, help, help us to make room for more prayer in our lives. The second thing we looked at was God's word, saying, man, we need a word from the Lord. Each and every day, we need to hear from God. We need to be in God's Word. And not that we need to just read, you know, big, huge chunks of Scripture, but is there one thing that the Lord would speak to you on a day-to-day -day basis? And we gave you a tool that we kind of talk about, a soap, that we look for a Scripture. And we say, God, reveal yourself through Scripture. And then we look at it and we say, okay, what's the observation here? In the context, what's the history of this verse? What's happening in this Bible story? And then we say, okay, how does it apply to our lives? And then we pray about it. Or we, and we can use this in a journaling fashion. And we did that a few weeks ago if you were here. We took the time to say, okay, God, where in our lives are we asking you to move in our hearts, in our lives? Is it in finances, or is it with addiction, or is it with um, uh, salvation, or is it with a healing? And we look for scriptures that will be meaningful to us, and we say, okay, what's the observation? How does it apply? And then we write out a prayer, and it's a really powerful, powerful tool. We want to encourage you to continue to utilize that. Then we said, not only do we need room to make room for more prayer in God's word, we said, we need to make room for more worship. How many know we were created to worship God? You were created to worship God. And we looked at the, the story of King Ahab, and we looked at the, New, the uh, New Testament church, how they tried to blend worship of idols with worship of Yahweh. And you cannot blend the world with God. 
And we need to make a line in the sand and say, we are going to serve God and serve God alone. And He is going to be our priority. And along the way, we said, man, there's some big pieces in our lives that are important. But we're not adding more to our lives. What we're said, we looked at the Stephen Covey principle, and we can put it up there, that if we have some big pieces in our lives, if we can put those in our bucket first, then we can add in a little sand or a little gravel and a little water, to, like at the picture on the right. But if we try to put in the things that are less significant, those things that are not a priority in our lives first, and then we try to put these big pieces in, what happens? We run out of room, don't we? And so we talked about prioritizing. And sometimes in this we say, okay, there's some good things in our lives, but we need to eliminate those good things for what's best in our lives. Sometimes we need to give up something that we love for what we love even more. And then last week we looked at making room for more fellowship. And many of you are here. If you weren't, we said that last, last week we said fellowship is not just a good idea. It's not just an option that we have. Fellowship is a biblical mandate for the church that we are called to be one, John 17. And the key that we walked away last week saying was that there is no discipleship, say it with me, without relationship. There is no discipleship without relationships. And so as a church, we need to look for opportunities for people to be close enough to each other to care for each other and share, to challenge and support each other, to forgive one another, to be forgiven, to laugh and to weep together, to be accountable to each other, to watch over each other, to grow together. And I said last week, if I could make you do that, which I can't, I'm not your parents, but if I could, I would. I would force you to be with other people outside of these four walls because there is no discipleship. You will not grow in the Lord without relationships in your life. Quick, quick thing. You say, boom, we've got all these arrows, and we missed one, Pastor. Anybody notice that? Which one have we missed? Evangelism. That's right. Next week, we're going to start our missions convention and we're excited about that. And next week, we're going to look at the evangelism piece in a very unique way. And uh, how many of you have ever struggled with sharing your faith? Just show of hands. You know, just be honest, yeah? Sometimes it's hard to do that, or you just, you know, would love some tools to kind of help you along the way. Next week is going to be a powerful, powerful week that's going to encourage us from a missions perspective that we are all missionaries, and you're not going to want to miss that. And so we're going to hit that last one, but it's going to be part of our missions convention, and uh, that was strategic. But then, uh, but let's go come back to today, because today we're going to talk about discipleship. And it's interesting, as we look at discipleship, everything that we've discussed up to this point this fall is really wrapped up in this term, discipleship. In discipleship, what it simply means is making disciples. It's that clear. It's that easy. It's not another stone to add to the bucket, so to speak, something that we don't have in our lives, but it combines what we've already talked about. Discipleship should be a byproduct of who we are. I want you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28, we see a discourse from Jesus. He's died on the cross, which we talked about a little bit earlier today. He, was ra- he rose from the grave. Mary and uh, Mary, they both go to the grave, 
and uh, uh, Jesus meets them and says, hey, look, don't be afraid. Go tell the brothers to go to Galilee, and I will meet them there. And so Mary and Mary, they go get the disciples. Some of them believe, some of them don't, but they all head to Galilee. In verse 16 of 28, it says, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, and some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said this, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. Everyone say go. Go. And make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the earth. You know, right after Jesus says go and make disciples, The disciples are saying, how are we going to do that? And Jesus promises right there. He says, surely I will be with you always, even to the very end of the earth. Today, we're going to talk about making room for more discipleship. Let's pray. Lord, your word is powerful. Your command uh, to us to go and to make disciples is crystal clear. There's no doubt in our minds that that's our responsibility. But Lord, this morning, help us to be, to be mindful of that. Remind us, God, of our duty to reach out to make a difference. And Lord, where we've been fuzzy, where we need some encouragement, I pray that you would do just that. Where we need boldness, God, help us to be bold. And Lord, help our hearts to be humble and teachable this morning. We pray it all in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. 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 How is your memory these days? Anybody have a good memory? Uh, a good memory? You remember a lot of things. Anybody uh, just kind of average in your memory? Uh, anybody like lacking memory ability? <laughs> right? Yeah, you forget a lot of stuff. Or maybe, you know, sometimes, you know, with students or with our kids, it's kind of like selective memory. Parents, have you ever seen that? I know you said something, but I can't remember what it was. Oh, yeah, pick up my room or something like that. Or you wonder with your kids or, you know, it just, you know, or even in your workplace, you're saying, I know I told this person to do this. Did they really re- forget or are they just being disobedient, whatever? Well, sometimes we forget important details, isn't don't we? I think all of us, at one time or another, there's a detail, whether it's our homework assignment or a phone call that needed to be made or, or whatever, there's an oversight, a mistake, and many times it's accidental. Would we agree? Well, there are things along the way in life that we just need to be reminded of on a regular basis. Good things that we'll, we will overlook if we're not careful. Can you think of some things maybe in your life that you need to be reminded of? Maybe you set a, a mark in your calendar, or maybe you, you, uh, you know, set an alarm or something like that. I know in my car, um, if we didn't have the little sticker in the, uh, uh, in the upper window, we probably would never change our oil. How many would agree? You just forget. But it's a little reminder. Every 3,000, 5,000, or 7,000, depending on what kind of make or model, or what, whoever you believe as far as what oil can do these days. How many of you know that we need a reminder sometimes to turn off the light? Sorry, honey. (laughs) Or to put away the dishes. Sorry, baby. (laughs) 
Or we forget, we need to be reminded why we're raising our kids. And uh, so we don't strangle them. Instead, we, we love them and we're teaching them and we're kind of getting them along the way. And we need to be reminded of that. Or, you know, sometimes, let me just say, can we be real this morning? For those of us that are married, uh, sometimes we need to be reminded just to be nice. Is that, isn't that right? We forget the people we're closest to, we kind of attack sometimes the most, isn't it? And we do it, we all of us. Or maybe we need a financial reminder why we need to re, uh, you know, fund our retirements or why we need to continue to give. I was just talking with my accountant, Tony Tiswell, this week, and I was sharing with him. I said, man, you know, I, we had, Jessica's been working, it's been great, and we put 10% to retirement. Now, we have money that just drafts automatically off of my check that goes to retirement. But on Jessica's, we have to make that account. We have to make that transaction, and we do it about once a month. And it got, the 10% came to like over $100. And I was tempted, I'm saying, $100, we could have a nice meal out, a nice date night. Or we could buy a new pair of jeans, or we could do whatever. But no, we need to be reminded that retirement's coming <laughs> for some of us sooner than others. But you know, those things, those investments along the way are important. They're good things that we need to be reminded of. And let me just say this morning that we need to be reminded, I need to be reminded about discipleship, why we exist, what God has done. Jesus was crystal clear. He said to go and to make disciples. But there are times we need to be reminded of the things that discipleship includes. I read an article a couple weeks ago that was the top 10 things that I need to know about discipleship by a guy named Mark Howell. I don't know who that is, but it, it came in as an article. And it got me thinking. It got me thinking about discipleship, and I knew I was going to be preaching on discipleship. And, you know, I thought, man, there are things that I need to remember when it comes to discipleship. And I believe that as I share some of these things, I'm going to share five things that kind of were re, re, uh, kind of important to me that we need to re, be reminded of. And the first one is this. It's super simple. Disciples are rarely made in rows. That's the first thing I need to remember. Because as your pastor, I can think that what we do here, this exchange that we call preaching or uh, Sunday mornings, it's, yes, it's important. It's a celebration time. We talked about that. But disciples are rarely made in rows as we sit in this way. Disciples are not made on Sunday mornings. Disciples are best made sitting around a table where we're able to share, not in isolation, but in biblical community. And that goes for young people to the oldest among us. We said last week that spiritual growth and character grow out of interactive relationships. And that's why I'm excited that in January 2013, we have connecting points coming. And we're going to talk about that in uh, all fall and be looking forward to that time where we can get together face to face and you know it's really the new testament model as we read last week in acts chapter 2 and acts chapter 4 and 5 in acts chapter 20 we saw a pattern of the early church they met in large groups but they also met in smaller gatherings as well they would meet in the synagogue in the temple but then they were daily in their homes sharing with one another 
Now I say that this number one thing that I need to remember is that disciples rarely are made in rows because I do believe it is possible for you to grow by being here on Sunday mornings in a row. But to be effective in, our, in my communication, it's important for you to realize that my goal is 100%, but listen to the progress that has to, take, uh, that has to happen in order for that to happen. I am 25% effective if you guys hear the message. So we're, about, we're making 25% already. 50% effective if you understand what I say. And so a lot of times I'll say, are you with me? Are you tracking with me? And I look at you, if you're like, like wow, this is over my head, I need to come back and say, all right, you know, where, am I communicating well? It's important. Do you understand? I will be 75% effective if I can get you to apply what we talk about. We talked about that a couple weeks ago with God's Word. If we can put that, those words, those nuggets of truth into action, and if I can get you, you to apply that, but I am not 100% effective in this style until you can reproduce what we talk about on Sunday mornings. Does that make sense? That we need, that's the discipleship process, is that we are reproducing what we talk about here. So number one, Disciples are rarely made in rows. Number two, I love this. Real disciples make disciples. It's not rocket science. And what that means, and let me just say, I'm about to step on some toes here, that if you are not actively making disciples, you are probably not or potentially not a disciple. Those are some hard words. Let that just sink in for a second. If you are not actively making disciples, you may not be a disciple because real disciples make disciples. Turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 4. Timothy in Paul is a great example uh, that we can kind of look to. Uh, Timothy here is uh, Paul's underling. He's uh, someone that Paul has taken under his wing and, and is teaching. And chapter 4 is really a whole section on instruction to Timothy. And look what it says, starting in verse 7. It says this, Have nothing, he's talking to Timothy, have nothing to do with godless myths or old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly. Paul was saying to Timothy, he's saying, look, I've got you under my wing, and you're doing a great job, but he says, train yourself to be godly. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. Verse 9, this is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. And for this, we labor and strive. He's saying, look, this is why we exist. This is why we live. This is why we share. That we have put our hope in a living God, who the Savior is all men, and especially for those who believe. And then in verse 11, not only is he encouraging Timothy in these things to train himself, but then he says, command and teach these things. It's not enough for Timothy to learn from Paul, but Timothy needs to share as well. Don't let anyone look down on you because of your age, but set an example for the believers. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture and to preaching and to teaching. Do not neglect your gift. 
Verse 15, be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. Then he says, watch your doctrine closely, which is excellent advice. The point here is that Paul invested heavily into Timothy. And let me say that everyone here, each of us, need a Paul in our lives. We need a mentor, a guide, an, a more mature believer to walk with. And we talked a little bit about that last week. We also not only need a Paul, but we also need a Timothy, someone that we can train, someone that we can invest in. And if we have those in our lives, we are modeling true biblical discipleship. And if we're not actively making disciples in that way, we have to question, okay, how am I doing? Real disciples make disciples. Number three, you do not have to arrive before you begin making disciples. Everyone take a big breath and say, thank you, Jesus. You know, Paul was pretty candid about his struggles. I love it when Paul says, you know, the things that I want to do, I don't do. The things that I don't want to do, I end up doing. And he's had this struggle. We know that Paul had a thorn in his flesh, and different people uh, describe that as different things. But we know that Paul was candid in his struggles. Turn with me to Philippians chapter 3, just a couple uh, pages before uh, Timothy there. Chapter 3, Paul says a passionate in verse 10, he says, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his suffering, becoming like him in death, so that somehow to attain the resurrection from the dead. Paul wanted to know Christ. He wanted a deep relationship with Jesus. But then listen to what it says in verse 12. He says, not that I have obtained all of this already or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. What I want you to see here is that Paul, he's saying, look, I want to know Christ. But he's saying, I do not have it all figured out. And I could stand before you as your pastor and say, I do not have it all figured out. And you can stand before your coworkers and before your family and say, I do not have it all figured out. But follow my example. Let's continue. But verse 15, all of us who are mature should take such a view of things. And, in, and if on some point you think differently... That too God will make clear to you. Let, or only let us live up to what we have already obtained. Verse 17, this is where I, was, I meant to go. Join with others in following my example and take note of those who live according to the pattern we gave you. You know what? Paul was continually saying, look, I don't have it figured out, but follow my example. He had a Timothy in his life, or a Barnabas, or others, Lois, and, uh, and, and just, I mean, the list could go on and on, of people that he invested in, but he didn't have it all figured out. You know, when we give our hearts to the Lord, 
we are justified, the Bible says. There's a fancy word, justification. It's a theological term that we sometimes talk about. It means that we, it's as if we, just as if we had never sinned. Justification. That happens at the moment of salvation. That Jesus, he forgives us and takes our sin as far as the east is from the west. And we have a clean slate. Our heart is clean. But then there's something else we talk about. Sanctification. We'll talk about that in a minute in 1 Thessalonians. But it's the process of being holy. The process of getting to a place where we are more like Christ. And to get there, we need a Paul. Someone in our life to look up to. And we also need to be sharing that with someone else. And you know what? I need at times to be reminded of that. And maybe this morning you need to be reminded of that. That there are people around you that would love to invest in your life if you just ask them to. Or there are people that you, would, that you could invest in if you just made yourself available. I needed to hear that this week. And I believe that you did too. You do not have to arrive before you make a disciple. Number four, disciple making takes time. It just does. It's not an overnight process. You know, you may have heard this before, that sometimes we overestimate what we can accomplish in a year. You ever heard that, that, you know, as an organization, but we often underestimate what we can do in 10? Well, the fact is, is when it comes to disciple making, it is a process. It's a long-term commitment. First Thessalonians chapter 5, turn with me there. Um, I love what it says in First Thessalonians. It says here, is, uh, Paul is leaving his final instructions to the church of Thessalonica. Verse, uh, verse 12, let's look at it. It says, Now we ask you, brothers, to respect those who work hard among you, who are over you in the Lord, and who have admonished you. Hold them in the highest regard in love because of their work. Live in peace with everyone. And we urge you, brothers, warn those who are idle, encourage the timid, help the weak, be patient with everyone, make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always try to be kind in, to each other and to, and to everyone else. Now, these are some things that are important in our Christian walk. But when he's saying this, he's, say, he's not saying do it all today or this week. And then he continues. He says, be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Again, he's saying this is something we need to grow in. Verse 19, do not put, on the, uh, put out the Spirit's fire. Do not treat prophecies with contempt. Test everything. Hold on to what's good. Avoid every kind of evil. And then it says in verse 23, May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify. There's that term that of sanctification, the process of being holy. It's a process. It says sanctify. Let, let, uh, let God, may God himself, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a process. And the thing is, we are all in process. It's interesting that you cannot microwave a disciple. The process will not be hurried. Does that make sense? 
I read this this week, that a real disciple is always becoming more like Jesus. Think about your life. Does that reflect your circumstance? A real disciple is always becoming more like Jesus. It's what gives the disciple maker the opportunity to say, here's what the Lord is showing me right now. And this is important. That's what it is. And it walking with each other, saying, this is what God is speaking. This is what God is revealing to me. And the last one is not only are all these things important, but number five, we are all, this includes every single one of us, given opportunities to invest in others. And we are to invest in others according to our own ability. Matthew 28, 19 is crystal clear to go and to make disciples. We understand that. But Matthew 25 it's interesting that right before that, a couple of chapters before, Jesus tells the parable of the talents, that there are some that were given one talent or two or five, and it was according to how they did with those talents that they would receive more and more opportunity. But what I want you to see is that some were one-talent people or two-talent type people or five-talent type people. We need to be making room for more discipleship in our own hearts, doing the best that we can with what we have. And so I just want to say that we can stop looking at each other and say, well, I'll never be like so-and-so, or I can never do what this person does. But instead we say, God, use me right where I am. Use me, God, right where I am. The important thing for us to realize is that we all have a job. We all have a part to play. It's not just the pastor's job to disciple everyone. In fact, if I had the job to disciple everyone, to sit across the, uh, the uh, uh, table from each of you each and every week, it would not the, we would not be discipling people. But it's together, as we work together, all taking the responsibility. Now, it's my job to equip the saints, and we, are, we, we endeavor to do that. But it's our job together to make room for more discipleship, to be challenged in this way, to be willing to be used by God, and disciples are being discipled and are discipling at the same time. We understand that, and it takes time. And the great thing is nobody gets it perfect all the time. This morning is a friendly encouragement from the pulpit that we are responsible to do this together, to engage. And if you are saying, boy, that sounds good, but where do I start? Well, you start first with a relationship with Jesus. You start with surrendering your life to Christ. And we said last week that we don't want to just give you an opportunity for a relationship with Jesus, but we want to also provide a relationship with other believers, that there will be people committed to walk with you in the process. Last week, we had three people give their hearts to the Lord, rededicate their lives to Jesus. And this morning, it may be that you are here, you found yourself here, and you're away from the Lord, and you need that relationship to be renewed. Or you need, maybe for the first time in your life, that you would give your life to Jesus, that you would surrender. And we're going to give you that opportunity.
But it's also quite possible that you are here and you say, well, I'm a believer. I've given my heart to the Lord. But man, I needed to be reminded that I need to be a disciple and I need to be discipling. And I would just wonder how many here this morning would say, boy, pastor, it's my desire to be discipled or to be mentored. How many would just say, boy, that would be great in my life if someone, I could look up to someone, if someone could keep tabs or to, to encourage me along the way. How many would think that that would be helpful in your lives? Just, yeah, yeah. Well, let me just say, if that's true, then you need to seek that out. You need to ask. Someone last week, we were, uh, did those surveys for the connecting points, which is coming. Someone said, I just like to be asked to do things. It makes me feel important. And let me just say, if you could identify one or two people in your life, in your sphere of influence, or maybe here at the church, that you would say, man, that person, if I could learn from them, I would benefit. I would be a better husband. I'd be a better wife. I'd be a better student. I'd be a better whatever because I'm being discipled. You know, a few months ago at the turn of the turn of the year coming into this year, I sat down with Pastor Pale and I asked Pastor Pale, I said, Pastor, would you mentor me? Would you walk with me and give me some insight? He's been where I haven't been. He's in he's he's uh, uh, a wonderful example and someone I can turn to. I needed that. And if your pastor needs that, you need that as well. We need people in our lives that we can turn to that will keep an eye on us, that will help walk with us and make us better. Isn't that the truth? The second thing is that when we make room for discipleship is that we all have abilities, we all have a gift set that God wants us to use. And would you say this morning that you are available, that you are willing to walk with someone? to disciple someone, because everyone needs a Paul, but we also need a Timothy, someone to be investing in. And I'll tell you, as we look at our lives, and we maybe think about a person or two in our lives, not only that we could learn from, but a couple people that we could bless or invest in, that is when life gets exciting. It's the truth. The times that where I've been intentional, saying, boy, I'm going to walk with, um, with this person, or I'm going to you know, have a relationship, or I'm going to get together with this person on a weekly basis for six months, or, or whatever the case might be, that is when life in our ministry and just our Christian walk really starts to sing. And I desire that for you. I desire for me. And we need to come to that point saying, God, I want to make more room in these areas for you to work in my life. With your head bowed and eyes closed this morning, if you are here this morning and you say, Pastor, boy, that discipleship sounds good, but I don't know where to start. Let me just say again, I said it a minute ago, that the discipleship process starts with surrendering your life to Jesus. And if you are here this morning and you do not have a relationship with Jesus, we want to offer that relationship to you. 
God's word says that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, from everything that we've ever done wrong. So it doesn't matter if you this morning feel like you are the worst sinner, the worst offender in the world. This morning, if you're away from Jesus and you surrender, you say, God, forgive me, come into my life. He promises to do just that. And as we examine our own hearts this morning, there's no one looking around. I'm wondering, is there anyone this morning that would say, Pastor, that's where I am today. I need Jesus to forgive me of all my sins, to come into my life, whether to come in for the first time or to rededicate, to say, I'm going to refocus anyone at all looking all around. Yes, thank you. Praise the Lord. Got one gentleman that raised his hands. I'm not going to embarrass him. We'll talk after. But that's incredible. God is moving. Now, those that are here that are believers, would you take a moment to examine in your heart and ask God just for a moment to strengthen a desire to be discipled, to be mentored. And if that's where you are today, you're saying, boy, I could really benefit from that sort of relationship, a Paul type in my life. Would you slip up your hand where you are? Just as saying, boy, that, that would be incredible in my life. Yeah, lots of hands going up. Okay. And then would you consider the, the other side of that? Is that you're saying, God, I would be willing to be a Timothy for someone as well, to walk with someone, to invest my life into someone. Not that I've got it all figured out, but I'm willing to walk with someone. If that's you this morning, would you raise your hand as well, saying, boy, that's where I want to be, because I know that's where I, where I will be most fulfilled in my life. Yeah. Let's stand all across the room. People raised their, rose their hand for many different things. As we close our time together this morning, could we, just as a sign together of surrender, could we say to Jesus, God, use me right where I am. Everyone say that with me. Use me right where I am. And Lord, I pray that you would just minister to each and every one God, that you would challenge us to make more room in our hearts for your word and for prayer and for worship, for fellowship. Lord, it's the discipling process that we would not just blaze through life without relationship, but God, that we would walk with someone, that we would have a Paul in our lives that would help us, that we would have a Timothy in our lives that, would, that we could invest in. And God, I pray that you would use us even beyond our abilities to make it a difference in someone's life, in each other's lives. And help us, God, to be reminded as well that it's a long process. It's a not a microwave-type dinner. Lord, it's a slow-cooked meal to be able to bring someone from, from early stages of Christianity to maturity. God, help us to be people that will walk with each other and to love each other, to learn with each other. We pray it all in Jesus' wonderful name. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. amen.
go in the grace of God. You're dismissed. If you need prayer for anything in particular, you can come and we'll pray. We'll anoint you with oil. Otherwise, go in the grace of God. We love you, and we'll see you next week or Wednesday night for prayer.